Welcome to Table Radio. To celebrate 10 years of the Table Church, we are revisiting our core longings and beliefs to ensure that what is central to faith is also central in our hearts, to be rooted. This is the first sermon in our series, preached by Josh Wilton at our Big Table service on Sunday, September 13th, on being Word and Christ-centered. Enjoy! Hi, I'm Josh. I'm one of the leaders here at the table. I think I've been here the longest, or among the longest. Me and Katie, and Andy and Katie, and our kids. We helped start this church, plant it, as it's called. We moved here uh, about 11 and a half years ago, and we launched 10 years ago. And it was pretty silly how we launched, to be honest. Does anyone remember what we did for the first time? No one was here. Like, no one was here. We did something. It was Christmas in September. Remember that? We did a bunch of Christmas. You thought, you think November's early to sing Christmas carols. We did it on September 12th or whatever day that was. And we did it because we wanted to, to go all in on the story of God in Jesus Christ. And that's because one of our foundations here at the table, core to our belief and core in our hearts, heart core, is the belief that God speaks and that God loves a good story. So God loves story in both words and pictures. And I wanted to point this out in a psalm. If you flip open to Psalm 19, it's right there. I'll give you a second. Psalm 19 gives us three little sections here. In the first bit, God is communicating in pictures. It tells us how he does that. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. There's something about God's creation that tells us about the story of God. And it's a big, beautiful picture when we see a glorious sunset or the mountains or the sea here in Victoria. But it's got to be more than that. It's not just a picture. So here in verse 7, in the same psalm, Psalm 19, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear or the reverence of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, who's ever said this next verse about the rules? More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold, even a huge bag of tunies. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb and Dairy Queen soft serve. This is the best. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. So you've got the heavens declare on the one hand. They call that the book of creation. And then you've got 
The words of the Lord, which speak of God, on the other hand, which they call the book of Revelation. Those, these two things in concert speak and tell us about God. He loves these stories. And words are important. Because you look, why does he need to speak in words? Look at verse 12. Who can discern their errors? We're in the dark, even about our own errors and frailty. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Don't let them have dominion over me, because we can be overcome by them. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And finally, look, this is, he, the, the psalmist here understands that we're, we're hidden even in our relationship with God. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. God loves a story. He gives us the pictures, images, and creation. And he gives us words through the scriptures. He speaks them to us. He shares them with us. Now, you, you would not, it's not unfair as you read the Old Testament to think that God prioritizes words over pictures. After all, in the very beginning of Genesis, he speaks and there's light. There's chaos. And this is part of his creation. The image comes out of the word. And also, when you get into Exodus 20 and you get to what's known as the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words, right in the very beginning, it's don't make an idol. Don't make an image of me, he says. Words, words, words. Now, there's a good reason for not making an image. It's because you can't box God in with an image. He's so much greater than all of creation. But there's a little sneak attack, too. He's got another reason why he doesn't want humanity to make an image of God. And it ties into words. Did you know that God has a favorite word? And it's not ostrich. It's not hippopotamus. It's not platypus. It's not pultritudinous, calipigus. It's not any word you can think of except one and it just kind of rolls off the tongue. It's this, this sweet-sounding word. It just brings delight to anyone who hears it. And the word is Joshua. Yeah, that's my name. No, it's just a happy coincidence. Yeshua is the Hebrew word, or Yeshua, which gets translated into Greek, into Jesus. This is God's favorite word. Doesn't it just roll off the tongue? And the most incredible thing about this word is it tells a whole story of God and humanity. So I'm going to read a bit. Oh, and here's the coolest part. God uses this word to finally give us a picture of God. It turns out a big reason he doesn't want anyone else to make an image of God is because this is a self-portrait. He wants to provide the image, his image, to humanity on his own terms. And it's in this man from Nazareth, Jesus. But he's got a way longer history than just 2,000 years ago being born from a woman, a woman named Mary. Let's read the opening of John, and I'm going to splice in a little bit of Hebrews just for fun, okay? John 1, in the beginning was the Word. There's the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
So already you're dealing with something that's a little funky math here, some deep mystery. Was with, was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were, ma- were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and in him was life. And the life was the light of humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now hear from Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's pretty crazy. This word is existing in two realms, the realm of God and the realm of humanity. Now listen back to John 1. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming or came into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor the will of humanity, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So in Jesus, this is the word, John defines his terms as the gospel goes on. And Jesus is this word, and the word is now visible, made visible in Jesus. Two realms Jesus has. He's in the realm of humanity and of God. And he tells the story of this interaction. So here's here's what I'm hoping for us as a community as we look back at these foundations as these roots of faith and seek to root in our heart. Let us lean into the story. Because Jesus is not located just in the past, but extends across time and space and lands in our, la- in our laps on ink in the page, but presses deep into our very core, into our souls. Listen to this bit from Hebrews. It's, it's awesome. It's not just about a Jesus of history, even in a great cosmic sense, if you believe that element of it. This is about a Jesus who is present with us, the Word. Here, this is Hebrews 4, 4.12. For the Word of God is living and active. It's alive. Sharper than any two-edged sword or razor blade piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow. And it does something, listen, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So this word is active and alive and can cut through thick things. And it does the work of revelation. It reveals something about who we are in addition to who God is. So we're pressed right to the edge of God's life in the kingdom of heaven, and our life here in the kingdom of earth. It's in both worlds here. And listen, even as we're engaging with the word, it says 
in verse 13, and no creature is hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is a way for us to be present and to to understand that we are already present with God in some way and to engage with him. So lean in. Now it also happens, according to (laughs) these very scriptures, to be profitable. So in Timothy... Paul's giving some instructions to Timothy. And he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. That's inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness and the good life. That the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, meaning equipped for love, equipped for a life of love and of goodness. This is what the scriptures do for us. Why? Because the scriptures themselves are saturated with Christ. And they tell the story of the gospel, of the life of God, with the life of humanity, and Jesus Christ bringing good news and revealing God's own self to humanity. So let's lean in to the story of the gospel. Okay, now here's, here's his last bit. I know this is... This, some of us have spent some time reading the Bible and find it obscure at points, off-putting at other points, distant at points. And there's two ditches, I would say. And there's an old saying, for every kilometer of road, there's two kilometers of ditches, right? The words of God are very similar to a Christian understanding of the person of Jesus. They are inseparable because we learn about Jesus through the words of the scriptures. If you want to reduce it even more, we learn about Jesus through the gospels mainly, through the four accounts or biographies of Jesus. There's very little else in historical documents. There's a smattering here, here, and there, but there are, many of them are debated. This is the primary source to understand who Jesus is. And Jesus is constantly referring back to the words of the scripture to authenticate and, and explain who he is. So the scriptures also help us understand who Jesus is. Now, but they're not like golden tablets that come from the sky. They, are, they also have their foot in the earth because God uses humanity to speak his words to humanity. So he uses Peter. He uses Paul. He uses Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He uses people. He uses Moses. He uses... All the writers of the Old Testament, the prophets, Isaiah, the school of prophets that helped form Isaiah. There's editors. There's different genres. There's there's something that looks uh, a little more like wisdom literature. And there's some narrative. And there's there's letters. And there's biographies. There's a whole library is the scripture. And so we regard it as having some human origin as well, not strictly divine but they are inseparably tied, let me say. Now, as you lean in, let me encourage you to poke, be poked and prodded by the Scriptures and to explore both your optimism about the Bible, in which God does actively speak to people, but also some of your doubts. Go, so, wow, well, why is this story about the judges in here? This whole section is pretty gruesome. Why is that even in here? And what does this say about God? And what does this say about humanity? And am I in this story at all? 
Am I one of the, judge, the hero judges or am I one of the people in the crowds? There's all kinds of ways to interact with this story. And I'm going to encourage us to do so. What's my exit strategy? Lord, thank you for communicating with us. Thank you that you speak to all of us in your scriptures. You break into history. There's something outside of each of us that is true and real. Something objective that you want to share reality with us. But thank you, God, that you also speak to each of us. You want to make this personal. And not just a story outside of us, but something that is alive within us. It brings us into relation to you and helps us to understand who you are and help us to understand who we are. We love you, we thank you, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's why we praise you. Thank you for listening to Table Radio an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, to love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by the Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Reliave, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. Yes.